Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. These stories contain distressing themes and brief descriptions of violence. This content is not suitable for children, and listener discretion is advised. On the north shore of Loch Duick, just outside the small village of Inverennit sits a small B&B called the Green and Guest House. It's beautifully unassuming, with the most affecting views of the loch onto the rugged Rattigan Pass across the water. Behind the guest house, hills roll for miles. It's a walker's dream, and was a favourite spot for Scottish hill walker Helen Fiona Torbett. She had walked the area dozens of times. I'm Benjamin Fitton, and this is Murder Town. The burrowed mud floor of Loch Duick in the western highlands of Scotland hides and protects beds of native flame shells, a species of salt water clam. The sea lock and two others nearby are designated Nature Conservation Marine Protected Areas, allowing the flame shells to live hidden beneath the surface, undisturbed. According to Scottish folklore, sailors of the past believed the Loch Duick was home to mermaids and seal maidens. The latter would shapeshift into humans by shedding their seal fur, which had magical powers allowing them to return to their skins and turn back into seals. If the skins were lost or stolen, the seal maidens would remain human forever, and if taken by a human, the human could hold the maiden captive. According to local legend, three brothers who went fishing at Loch Duick one night became enraptured by three seal maidens who had thrown off their furs, become human, and were dancing around in the moonlight. As the story goes, the brothers stole the seal maidens first, with a plan to hold them captive and take them as their wives. One brother, seeing that the maiden was distressed, returned her seal skin. As a reward for his act of kindness, the maiden's father allowed the brother to visit the maiden every ninth night. As for the other two brothers, one lost his seal maiden wife after she escaped, while the last brother burned his wife's fur so she wouldn't discover that he stole it from her 
only to end up burning her accidentally in the process. In 1992, the Great Outdoors magazine published a list of hills in the Scottish Highlands, including those around Loch Duick. The author of the article, avid hillwalker Helen Fiona Torbett, known to some friends as Fiona but we will refer to her as Helen, and spent years walking the Scottish peaks. Her list would become a bible for walkers in the area. There are plenty of names for the types of hills, peaks and mountains that make up the Scottish Highlands. It's hard to find a definitive answer for exactly how many there actually are, but Helen's list focused on a particular type of hill, at the time referred to as Marilyn's. They had been surveyed and listed before by the revered mountain surveyor Alan Dawson, but Helen had recorded some new ones, and after her article was published, she and Alan got together and decided that the Marilyns would now be called Grahams, named after Helen's maiden name, Helen Graham. Behind the village of Inverennit, she had mapped a Graham called Carn and Cunac, a steep peak known for its fierce northern slopes and gentle plateau down the other side. It was an area she knew like the back of her hand, but even so, the terrain was wild, and there were always going to be parts she had never set foot on. On July 6, 1993, 61-year-old Helen returned to the guest house for around the fifth year in a row. She loved the area and the home so much that some years she stayed two or three times. Her son was grown, and her husband was on a yacht trip after recently retiring as a gynaecologist in Glasgow. She took some time for herself, planning to stay a couple of weeks and walk the Highland Hills. She stopped by the couple's holiday home in Argyle before driving on to the guest house. Her car was packed with walking equipment and all the things she always took with her, like maps and her diary. For 40 years, Helen had kept meticulous records of her walks. She would write about the trees, the birds, and record distances and details along the way. The guest house was quiet, and the owners who she was familiar with were away in Aberdeen visiting a dying relative, while their son, Donald Macmillan, who she knew well from her other visits, was looking after the place. Helen arrived late and mentioned to Donald that she would be meeting a friend. The following day, she left a message to say she would be back in a couple of days, requesting to leave her car behind. According to Helen's husband, not hearing from her for a few days on these trips was not unusual, but when five days passed and he had not heard from her, he grew very worried and called the police to report her missing. When police turned up at the guest house, Donald told them about the friend and showed them to Helen's car, which was still there. He said that on the morning of July 7th, which was the morning after she arrived, he saw her get into a dark hatchback or estate car with a man. 
Then on the Friday when he was expecting her to return, Helen phoned to say she would not be back that night after all, and she'd return on the Monday with a friend. She never turned up. Between the car and the guest house, police determined that her hold-all bag and various other items were missing like her diary. They assumed she must have taken these with her. However, there were items left in the vehicle that she would normally take with her if she was walking, like a ski pole that she used as support for an injured knee. It just didn't seem like she'd packed up and gone walking. Police considered whether Helen may have been having an affair and run off with another man, but Helen's husband refused to believe this was the reason for her disappearance, saying she had not threatened to leave home or given any indication she wasn't happy with her home life. However, she had been weighed down with some troubles recently, saying she was deeply worried by environmental questions and feared she may have gone into retreat. Detective Inspector William MacDonald of the Dingwall Police made a public appeal to Helen, asking her to ring a confidential phone line to confirm she was safe. He made it clear in the press that she just needs to prove who she is. We don't want to know where she is. There was no reason to suggest anything criminal had happened, but police had no choice but to keep an open mind, especially since her bank account had remained untouched. Seven weeks after Helen disappeared, an article was published in the Aberdeen Press and Journal. It was the first time anyone had heard about the missing Hillwalker for almost two months. Police confirmed that although all the tips had been dead ends, they were still interested in hearing from the man who had supposedly driven away from the guest house with Helen. Two months turned into three, and Helen's husband and the Northern Constabulary renewed their appeal, even placing notices in other outdoor magazines for other hillwalkers to keep their eyes out. A press conference was held at the Dingwall Police Station, where they promised again in an appeal directly to Helen that they were not interested in her whereabouts, just that she was okay. However, something was happening behind the scenes. Helen's husband had deep concerns over something that Donald Macmillan had said about the last time Helen was seen. Macmillan said Helen was wearing her hiking boots as she set off with the other man, presumably to go walking. The thing was, Helen never wore hiking boots when she walked the hills. She only ever wore Wellington boots, and all three pairs that she owned were still in her car. They believed that Donald McMillan may have known more than he was letting on. Nine months after the disappearance... No developments in the case, police got a seemingly innocent phone call. A woman on holiday had been walking with her father when they came across a black bag concealed beneath willow trees near the Carl to Invrenit Road, 
just a few hundred yards from the guest house. Covered in snow for months, it had taken until the spring thaw to expose it. They opened it up and saw maps and other personal items. It did not take long to discover the items were Helen's. Her handbag with a purse and bank cards, her diary, and one slipper. It wasn't all of Helen's missing belongings, but it was enough for the police to shift gears from a missing person's inquiry to search for a body. One of the biggest search and rescue operations in the Scottish Highlands began. Twenty police and sniffer dogs moved into the dense forest nearby, as well as the undergrowth surrounding the guest house. A helicopter took aerial photos, and police divers and the Royal Navy search Loch Duick near to where the belongings were found. Helen's husband told the press, quote, When you have been waiting nine months, you hope anything will solve this mystery. It's going to be resolved soon, but it may not end happily. It has been a very harrowing time for me. Six days of searching the surrounding land and water found no further clues. Forensic testing was done on the items uncovered, and police announced that although the new search had not come up with anything, they were pursuing a number of other lines of inquiry. They just wouldn't say what. After a month of silence, around 20 police officers arrived at the Green and Guest House and proceeded to tape off the entire property before bringing in sniffer dogs. Equipment arrived and police proceeded to cut down trees, clear undergrowth and cordoned off a section of the garden. Several windows of the house were covered with black plastic and two caravans on site were taped up and photographed. Police found the house had been extensively recarpeted and redecorated since Helen's disappearance. Downstairs, they would begin to pull up floorboards. They knew what they were looking for. Under the floor in a cupboard, they found a hold-all bag. Helen's name was printed on the handles. In the bag was the matching slipper to the one found under the willow trees. 31-year-old Donald McMillan, the son of the owners, was then arrested on suspicion of murder. Still denying any involvement, his parents begged him to cooperate with the authorities. Finally, he drew a map of where Helen was located in the garden. A tent was put up over a pile of firewood and sheets of metal as a pathologist arrived and police with garden forks and shovels. Before long, officers entered the tent wearing masks. Helen's body was discovered in a shallow grave. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. After the discovery of her bag under the trees near the guest house, police had gone through Helen's diary. The last entry was made on the evening of the 6th of July, 1993, the day Helen checked in to the Green and Guest House. It read, quote, Strange letter from Donald Macmillan. Embarrassing to cope with. Police never found the letter, but it sparked an inquiry of its own. At the High Court in Inverness, Donald Macmillan pleaded not guilty to the murder of Helen Fiona Torbett. The prosecution said they would prove that Macmillan had killed Helen Torbett by deliberately suffocating her as he attempted to sexually assault her. He then hid her body for some time, perhaps even days, while digging a 12-inch grave under the firewood storage. He buried Helen's body under a pile of firewood, iron sheets and rubble knowing full well it would not be an area of the garden dug up for landscaping. Macmillan denied hiding Helen's belongings or perverting the course of justice by making up an elaborate story that she had run off with another man. The case presented was that Macmillan found himself alone in the house with Helen, who he knocked to the ground in an attempt to sexually assault her before covering her face and suffocating her. Northern Constabulary investigator Ian Klingen told the court that a sample of tape that had been used to bind Helen had been sent off for testing, and after separating the glue from the backing with liquid nitrogen, Macmillan's fingerprints were lifted from the tape. Mr David Hingston, who led the prosecution, described Macmillan as a very dangerous individual. It was a cold and calculated killing of an innocent member of the public 
and he could have done it again if he hadn't been caught. Donald Macmillan had drifted between jobs since leaving school and joining the army in 1979, serving with the Royal Armed Corps in the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards and served in Germany and Northern Ireland. He spent six months in army detention after going AWOL. When his parents bought the guest house, he lived with them and looked after the garden. The jury heard of a man who had lifelong difficulties of forging relationships, grew obsessed with older women and had difficulty talking to women of his own age. Adult magazines found in his room showed that he gave the women pictured star ratings, where older women scored much higher than younger ones. The investigation into the letter Macmillan had written to Helen revealed thousands of other letters he had written to different women in the area. Even while Macmillan was on remand, he continued what was described as almost obsessive correspondence with local girls. One local woman who spoke to the press and wished to remain anonymous said that, quote, It was really frightening and disturbing. The letters didn't say anything untoward but there was no way I was going to reply. Another local woman came forward to say that Macmillan had written her thousands of letters for over five years. Sometimes he would write five in one day. She said that sometimes he would describe what he had seen her wearing that day. He had constantly sent gifts like underwear, expensive jewellery and a camera. The correspondent stopped for a while after she threatened to report him to the police. She would go on to get married, and when she was eight months pregnant, she received another letter which she said terrified her. In what would be a dramatic courtroom confession, after denying everything since his arrest, Donald Macmillan stood up in court and admitted I did kill Helen Torbett. He then said he didn't mean for her to die. Macmillan had put a pillow over her face to calm her down as she was trying to hit him. The prosecution argued that the evidence did not support this type of suffocation, saying, It was not the case that something went tragically wrong in an argument. This was murder. At the conclusion of the trial, Donald Macmillan was found guilty. As his sentence of life plus five years for perverting the course of justice was passed down, he bowed his head and stared down at his feet. As he was led away, he turned briefly and glared at the judge. When aerial photos taken during the search and rescue effort to find Helen Torbert were shown to the court, in a shot of the guest house garden, a lone male, Donald Macmillan, could be seen looking up towards the helicopter. He was standing right by the woodpile in the garden of the green and guest house. In 2007, at 45, 
Macmillan was found dead in his cell at Saunton Jail in Edinburgh. It is believed he died of natural causes. Sign up now to Crime and Investigation Play, the only dedicated true crime streaming service to watch brand new episodes of the TV show Murder Town. To start your free trial, head to crimeandinvestigation.co.uk forward slash play forward slash murder town. Once your free trial ends, you only have to pay the low monthly fee of £3.99, or you can purchase an annual plan for just £39.99. That's 12 months for 10. Again, head to crimeandinvestigation.co.uk forward slash play forward slash murder town. UK customers only. T&Cs apply. 18 plus. Subscription required. Payment taken if trial not cancelled. Murder Town is a crime and investigation original podcast. Hosted by me, Benjamin Fitton. Written and researched by Anna Priestland. Edited by Joel Porter. Produced by Kim Sargent. And series produced by Sam Pearson. 